Thanks for tuning into this week's message. For more resources and information about Cedar Valley, please visit cvchurch.org. Uh, we're, we've been in this series that we're calling This Is Us. And in this series, what we're really doing is some of the very difficult work of Christianity, which is this. We're evaluating and allowing the Holy Spirit to transform us. So if you're new here, you should just know this. We don't want to be a, a church that just reads the Bible or just knows the Bible. The, the Bible itself says, don't just merely listen to the Word and so deceive yourselves. Actually do what it says. And I think that's what we want to do. So this series has forced us to kind of look at ourselves and, and, and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us. Real transformation only happens when we speak to the, when we address the old nature that's in us. We have to do that. And so that's what we've been doing. And it really started with this conversation that uh, a, a guy was having with Jesus. And he says, hey, Jesus, what's the most important thing? What should we really be doing? What's the big idea? What's, what, what's the most important commandment in all, of the, in all of the Bible? And Jesus gives him kind of the answer that I would have thought that he would have said, and that's love God. That's what you need to do. And he doesn't just say love God. He says love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Love God with that intensity. But then this guy had asked Jesus that question to kind of try to trick him. And so he was ready to fire in. But Jesus doesn't even let the guy jump in. Jesus never takes a breath. Jesus just finishes and he says this. Oh, by the way, there's a second thing that you need to do that's equally important. It's every bit as important. And that is this. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Like loving people is equally as important. Now that's a hard one. I'm wrestling with that still. It's as important as loving God. The way that we then live this, if it's just this, we fall short. It's got to be this, which is followed up by this, loving people. And then Jesus says, the entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. In other words, your whole Bible, the law and the prophets for the Jews at that time, your whole Bible is based on this. Our whole faith is based on this, that we would love God and would translate out of us in a way that we love people. And so we're going to continue in that series. We're going to continue to look at how is our behavior more and more in the image of Christ so that we reflect Christ to our neighbors, so that we love them more effectively. Can we, can we shape our behavior that, and allow the Holy Spirit to work through us so that we love our neighbors? Can we do that? That's what we're looking at. So in your Bibles this morning, turn to the book of Numbers. Numbers, chapter 20, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. Some of you are like... Hey, I got a phone, buddy. Like, I don't need to. Right, okay. Numbers chapter 20. If you're on a digital device, it'll ask you what translation you want. You want New Living. That's the translation we use. Um, It's not a better translation. It's not a different translation. It just says it in a more contemporary language. That's it. Numbers chapter 20. And then I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet when you get it. And if you're new around here, just so you know, whenever we read our primary text, we always stand up. And here's the simple reason why. It's not right or wrong. It's not wrong if you go somewhere and they don't. But it's a reminder to us that this isn't a book, this is actually God speaking to us. Numbers chapter 20, I'm starting in verse 1, it says this. In the first month of the year, the whole community of Israel arrived in the wilderness of Zin, and they camped at Kadesh. And while they were there, Miriam died and was buried. There was no water for the people to drink at that place, and so they rebelled against Moses and Aaron. Verse 3, the people blamed Moses and said, If only we had died in the Lord's presence with our brothers. Why have you brought this, the, genera- the, the congregation of the Lord's people into the wilderness to die, along with all our livestock? Why did you make us leave Egypt and bring us here to this terrible place? This land has no grain, no figs, no grapes, no pomegranates, and no water to drink. Verse 6, Moses and Aaron turned away from the people, and they went to the entrance of the tabernacle, where they fell face down on the ground, and then the glorious presence of the Lord appeared to them, And the Lord said to Moses, You and Aaron must take the staff and assemble the entire community. 
As the people watch, speak to the rock over there, and it will pour out its water. You will provide enough water from the rock to satisfy the whole community and their livestock. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that your word is truth and that it speaks life and that ultimately it reveals to us, God, who you are. That's what we want to see. We want to see who you are. We want to know you, God. And so, Holy Spirit, we desperately need you to to speak and to teach us through this word, to translate for us. What does this mean into our lives today? We pray that you would do that, God, that you would draw all of our eyes to you and to your son, Jesus. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys can have a seat. And so we want to take a look at this and say, how can this passage of Scripture allow us to become more and more like Christ? We're in the process of transforming into the likeness of Christ. That's, that's who we are as Christians, as Christ followers. That's what we want. And so we want to look at this passage and see how it would help us do this. And so the passage in verse 1, look in your Bibles, it starts out and it says this. In the first month of the year, the whole community of Israel arrived in the wilderness of Zin, and they camped at Kadesh. And then it says, and while they were there, Miriam died and was buried. So remember this, the Jews have been slaves in Egypt for 400 years. 400 years they've been oppressed, they've hated it, they've been slaves the whole time. And in Exodus chapter 3, God comes and he speaks to Moses. And he said, you're going back down there to Egypt. You're going to go talk to Pharaoh. You're going to get Pharaoh to let the people go, and you're going to lead the people out of, out of Egypt, out of slavery. And then when you get to Exodus 30, chapter 33, he says to Moses, oh, and you're going to lead them to Canaan. Canaan is the promised land. It's modern-day Israel. Not only are you going to lead them out, but God says you're going to, you're going to lead the people to, to the Canaan, the promised land. This is Moses' mission. This is what God has called him to do. God has been very clear. Here's what I have for you. Here's the mission. Here's what I want you to do. Now, in the process, they leave Egypt. They cross the Red Sea, if you remember that. They're trapped against the Red Sea, and the, and the Egyptians are bearing down on them with chariots. They're going to attack, right? And God says, stretch out your staff. And he stretches out his staff like this. And you remember this? The Red Sea parts. It says they go through on dry ground, right? God rescues them. And then once they get through, they eventually get to Mount Sinai. They camp at the base of Mount Sinai. Moses goes up to the mountaintop. God gives him the, not only the Ten Commandments, but all the Mosaic Law. Now Moses is leading them, leading them, leading them. Eventually they get to Kadesh. And when they get to Kadesh, God says to Moses, listen, I want you to send 12 spies, one from each tribe. Send 12 spies into Canaan, into the promised land, and let them look it over. And the spies do that, one from each tribe. Joshua and Caleb are with them. And they go in and they look at the land and they're like, wow, amazing. The land flowing with milk and honey. This place is awesome. They come back and they give the report to the people. And they say, wow, the place is amazing. Land flowing with milk and honey. It's unbelievable. And we don't think we should go. We think the people there are too mighty. In fact, there's a statement in the scripture, they say, we're like grasshoppers in their sight. And God says, God's already said, I've given you this land. This is the land I have given you. Just go in and possess it. They're like, no, 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 we're afraid, we're afraid, we're scared. And so God says, okay, if that's how it's going to be, then here's the deal. You won't just walk into the promised land. You're going to wander into the desert now for 40 years. And P.S., just so you know this, Nobody from this generation will enter the promised land. Okay, now they've wandered for about 38, 39, 40 years, and they come back to Kadesh. That's where we're at now. Now they're coming back. This is their second stop at Kadesh. 
They're back. This means they've been wandering for 40 years. Moses has been leading them for 40 years. They've walked around in the wilderness for 40 years. Can you imagine this? Some commentators say that when they left Egypt, there were 2 million of them. 2 million. And Moses is the leader. And he's got a mission. And the mission is this. Lead them to the promised land. And all we see as he's leading them all these years is, just complain and bicker, complain and bicker, complain and bicker. That's all they do. They'll have a crisis come up, and they complain and bicker, and then they go to Moses, and then Moses goes to God, and then God fixes the problem, and he shows them that he's faithful, and they're, oh, yeah, we're good with it now. And then the next thing comes up, complain and bicker, complain and bicker. It's been like that for 40 years now. And now they've come back around to Kadesh after the 40 years, and they remember, that's right, we were here 40 years ago, but we didn't trust God. And here's the reminder, and and believe me, first century, when, when Jesus, at the time of Jesus, first century Jewish audiences would have known what this meant. And while they were there, Miriam died and was buried. And that's a giant reminder to everybody that, oh, that's right. Nobody from our generation is going to enter the promised land. Like Jews know that when they read this. Complain and bicker, complain and bicker, complain and bicker. Now they get back to Kadesh. That's where they're at now. And what happens? Shocker. There was another crisis. There was no water for the people to drink in that place. There's no water for two million people. And they've got livestock and there's no water. So what do the people do? Naturally, they rebelled against Moses and Aaron. Complain and bicker, complain and bicker, complain and bicker. Can you even imagine what it's like to be Moses? Two million people the whole time for 40 years. That dude's got to be losing his marbles. And yet he keeps leading. He just keeps leading. He's got to get them to the promised land. For 40 years, he's been putting up with this, and he just keeps leading. I wonder how he does that. Moses and Aaron, this is key. Now watch this. I'd I'd underline this or I'd circle this in my Bible. Moses and Aaron turned away from the people and went to the entrance of the tabernacle, and there they fell face down on the ground. How does Moses keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going? The answer is he knows what his mission is, and he turns to God. And I think this is very important. He turns away. He and Aaron, they turn away from all the complaining and all the bickering. They turn away, and they turn to God. And I just got to stop a minute and speak this into this, because I think we live in an age. Has anybody noticed that we live in an age of rah, rah, rah? Have you noticed that? Okay. It, it, it's like nothing I've ever seen. And, and in just a moment of honesty, I'm just going to be brutally honest with you, I feel like I've been totally distracted. Because there's so much complaining and there's so much bickering right now. Rant, 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 mask. Rant, 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 vaccine. And it's just going crazy. And I feel like I've become distracted. I've gotten off course. I've forgotten what the mission is. And if that's happened to me, then what I'm saying is maybe... That could happen to a few other folks. Well, we've lost sight of the mission. You know what the mission is? Make disciples. If you're a follower of Jesus, it's given to us, the great commission, the scripture. Jesus said, go and make disciples. Now, here's how we say it. Lead people from where they are to where God wants them to be. That's making them disciples. I'm just wondering, how are we doing at that? I'm not pointing fingers. I'm just asking you to evaluate for a minute. How are you doing with that? How am I doing with that? Are we making disciples? Who are you discipling? Who are you mentoring? Who are you building relationships, the kind of relationships with that you can speak into their life about spiritual matters? Like, is that happening? Or are we just rant, 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 mask, rant, 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 vaccine? Rant, 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 I don't get to go where I want to go. 
Like, are we caught up in that just the same? Because if that's the case, here's what we got to do. We got to turn away from that and we've got to turn to God. We don't win this battle, right? By, we don't, we don't, we, we're not, we're not going to win this battle on social media. We win this battle on our knees. That's how we win this. Are we just, rah, rah, we've just gotten caught up in all the bickering. The problem right now, I hope we realize this, the problem right now is not all the evil in the world. The problem is the apathy in the church. That's what's happened. We're apathetic because we've gotten caught up in the bickering. Now, I'm not talking to everybody. I know that. That night may not be all y'all. It's, it's not everybody. But I know it's some of us. I know I've gotten caught up in it. And so here's what Moses does. He turns away from it. And you know what he does? He goes to the ground and he falls before God and he cries out to God. For the last about two, week and a half, two weeks, I've really been meditating on this. And it's been so good for me. Psalm 1. Psalm 1 says this in our translation. You would remember it, blessed it is. But our translation, oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with mockers but they delight in the law of the Lord here we go and they meditate on it day and night now if you delight in something some of, some of you all delight in the Vikings and so you, you do you make time for it today you're going to go spend three and a half hours in front of the TV watching the Viking game because you, you delight in it so you make time for it you, you, you make time for the things that you delight in and I just wonder man do we delight in the law of the Lord like, if we have spare time, do we spend our time in the law of the Lord? Do we spend time in God's word? Do we, when was the last time you meditated on scripture? See, with all the uh, uh, that's going on today, we got to turn away from that and we got to turn to God. This is Moses. Moses stays focused. He knows what the mission is. He is on track. He is on course. He is on mission. That's Moses. And he just keeps going. It says he turns away from the people. He goes to the entrance of the tabernacle. The tabernacle is where the presence of God is. That's where he goes. And he falls face down on the ground. Then it says this. Then the Lord says to Moses, you and Aaron, you got to take the staff. That's Moses' staff. He doesn't carry it with him everybody. He's got to take the staff. What does the staff represent? The authority of God. Because when he stood and split the Red Sea, everybody knows Moses can't split the Red Sea, but he holds the staff up and it says that that's authority that came from God. And so now he says this, take the staff, remind the people that it's by the authority of God that this is going to happen and to assemble the entire community. And as the people watch, now what's he say? Speak to, speak. That's going to be important in a while. Speak to the rock over there and it will pour out its water. And I love this. This is just how God works. This is God thing. You'll provide enough water to satisfy the whole community and all their livestock. Like, I just think that's so cool. God didn't say, hey, no, no person out there is going to be thirsty. He's going to be like, their dogs are going to drink. Their cows are going to drink. All their livestock is going to be happy. That's just God. It's just the additional blessings of God. I just love that. So what happens? Man, this is so key. Moses did as he was told. And it's funny because I had a conversation with a friend about three months ago. and We were just talking about that, about hearing from the Holy Spirit, hearing from the Holy Spirit, hearing from the Holy Spirit. And all of a sudden, God just spoke to me and said this. Oh, brother, you hear plenty. You don't do. It's one thing to hear from God. It's a whole other thing to be obedient. It's a whole other thing to be obedient and get in the tank. That's a whole different thing. 
I'd say they're folks that need to be baptized in obedience. It's one thing to hear the voice of God. It's a whole other thing to act on it, to be obedient. Moses did exactly what he was told. He took the staff from the place where it was kept before the Lord, and then he and Aaron summoned the people to come and gather the rocks. See, this is Moses. This is this characteristic. This is this godly characteristic that we see in Moses. It's difficult. Yes, there's distraction, 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 bicker, complain, bicker, complain, but he knows the mission and he keeps moving toward it. See, I'd say we all know what the mission is. The mission is to make disciples, to lead people from where they are to where God wants them to be. I think it's really easy to get distracted. Followers of Jesus, we keep moving toward the mission. We don't join in the bickering, right? We don't join in with the mockers, right? What's the mission? Stay focused. Stay on mission. Now, this is a behavior that we see in Moses. This is a behavior that we need to emulate. Stay focused on the mission. But most importantly, because we think Moses was awesome. Moses is is arguably the greatest leader in human history. Two million people, 40 years through the desert. Good luck with that, right? We think that's awesome. But ultimately, we want to emulate Christ. Watch the behavior. Now, remember this. Jesus had a mission. Why did Jesus came? Jesus came to earth in the form of a baby because he knew eventually he had to die on a cross for the sins of mankind. That was God's plan. That's his mission, and he knows it from the very beginning. He's got to stay on task. Remember this. He's a kid. His parents forget about him, and they lose him because they travel in large caravans, and they leave town without him when they were all the temple. And they come back, and they're like, oh, Jesus, and he's God. You know, he's like, psst, I got this. No, you don't have to worry about losing me. I got this. Right? The whole time he's in his ministry, his own brothers and sisters think he's a kook. They think he's crazy. Distraction, distraction, my own family, my own family, my own family. The 12 guys that he lived with for three years, they did everything together. They don't get him. They don't get his mission. They constantly misunderstand him. Jesus, on mission. On mission, on mission. Watch this. Jesus hanging on the cross. Talk about distraction. Like my wrists hurt a little bit. Like he's, you know what I mean? Jesus knew that his mission was now finished. Now he's on the cross. Now he knows that his ministry is finished. However, to fulfill the scripture, he's still on mission, on the cross. To fulfill the scripture, he said, hey, I'm thirsty. He's referring here to Psalm 22 where it talks about it. It prophesies about the Messiah who's going to say my mouth is parched. Jesus says, I'm thirsty. He's still on task. He's still on mission. There was a jar of sour wine sitting there. And so they soaked a sponge in it. They put it on a hyssop branch and they held it up to his lips. And when Jesus had tasted, he said, now it's finished. Now I'm done. Now I fulfilled my mission. I've done what I came to do. I came and was crucified. That's what I came to do. Despite all the distractions, despite everything that was going on, despite despite all the doubters and haters, I stay on task. I've stayed on mission. I finished the course. That's what he's saying. Then he bows his head. And he gives up his spirit. This is a behavior that's, that's for Christians, for Christ followers, that we stay focused, that we stay on task, on mission. God has given you a mission. God has given me a mission. Now, we say this for all Christians is to make disciples. But even within that context, there, there are other missions that God has called you to. And there are going to be distractions. And Christ followers have to stay focused when you know that that is from God. Now, the beauty of it is some of you are just naturally wired this way. Some of you more than others 
It's the way God's wired you. It's the way God's made you. You tend to be very focused, right? And so that's the personality style that we're looking at today. We've been going through this series. Look, this is the achiever. This is the achiever. And some of you are wired this way. God's just naturally made. You just have the ability just to just stay focused. And so if you want, you can take the assessment on our website. It's on the front page. But if you haven't, let me give you a couple thoughts to help you determine, could this be me? Could this be my style? Because if it is your style, then we want to say, hey, what are some of the potential pitfalls? We want to be aware. We want to allow the Holy Spirit to transform us. So a lot of these will apply to a lot of different people. Because we all have a little bit of every personality style in us. But if all of these are true of you, then you okay, this is my predominant style. Here's some thoughts for you. If it's important that you come across as a winner, if that's really important to you, that people see you as a winner, some of you know exactly what I'm talking about, then you, you might be an achiever. If you love to walk in and make a great first impression, if that's important to you, that when you walk in, people instantly think of you a certain way and you want to make a great first impression, you might be an achiever. If you're the type of person that thinks you could get Bill Gates to buy a Mac, if that's you, you might be the achiever, right? That, that could be your personality style. If your keys to happiness are efficiency and productivity, if those are big ticket items, you efficiency and I've got to be efficient. I've got to get things done. If you're bothered because people are slowing you down, you always think, man, I'm headed here, but those, those people are just slowing me down. If you know how to airbrush failure so that it looks like success, you buy me an achiever. If you're the person who knows how to put lipstick on a pig, you might be the achiever, right? If you are competitive to a fault, raise your hand if you're competitive. Yeah, see, some of you are like, I was first. That was me, I was first. You might be the achiever. If it's very important to you that people respond to you favorably, they got to like you, they got to they approve of you. If it's hard for you to take time off, and even then when you do, you tend to bring work with you. If you're the person who brings work on vacation, first of all, it, it took you forever to take a vacation. And now that you go, you take work with you. This may be your predominant style. If you love setting and achieving very measurable goals, if that's a big deal to you, you set goals every year. And then here's the date when I, when I accomplish it. Oh, by the way, it was at this time. And you put down the seconds, you know. If, if, you, uh, if you like for others to know about your accomplishments, if that's important for you, you're a person who often verbally gives your resume, right? Oh, by the way, and this is where I went to school, and this is what I've accomplished, right? If you really like to be seen in the company of other very successful people, you might be one of these achievers, if that, if that resonates with you. And the last one is if people say that you don't know how to stop working, like you never quit working, you're the workaholic, that, that, might, that might be an indicator. If a lot of these things are true of you, you might be of this style. And the, way, the reason that we want to know that is so that we can be, then be sensitive to how do we need to let the Holy Spirit work on us. And so here's the achiever, and this is what we love about the achievers. If this is you, you're very competitive by nature. We've talked about that. You're a finisher. You don't have ideas and get things started. You tend to see things through, right? That, that's what you do. You're a finisher. You're a very hard worker. You very much pursue success. It's important for you to be successful. You're extremely pragmatic. If something works, I stay with it. If it doesn't work, I can it. You tend to be very goal-oriented. You often are the people who write down your goals. January 1, you spend the whole day, new goals, right? You're very motivated. You're very adaptable. You have to be adaptable because you got to get this accomplished. And if this isn't working, i got to change. i got to adapt. Right? You tend to be a visionary and you tend to be very ambitious. So let me just say this. 
If you're this way, if you're the achiever, if that's your predominant style, the reason is because God made you that way. And we celebrate you. We love the fact that you're here. We love that you're part of the body of Christ. And specifically, quite honestly, we love that you're a part of Cedar Valley Church because you're the type that help us move the mission forward. You're the type that help us get things done. That's the thing that you contribute to the body of Christ. It's the way that God made you. And so we would celebrate it. Okay, now this is where we say suspend judgment because if this is your predominant style, you got to know this. It brings with it possibly some inherent weaknesses, some inherent faults. And we want to be aware of those. We call them the unhealthy behaviors or they're the unchristlike behaviors, right? We've talked about this with, with every different one we've looked at. And so you got to just allow God to speak to you. You got to suspend all judgment and just let the Holy Spirit speak. We can't transform if we don't address the old nature, right? This isn't a self-help thing. This is us wanting to become more like Christ. And so somewhere along the line, you internalize a childhood message. It's very possible. And the message says this. It's not okay for you to be seen as a failure. You're very concerned about that. And you need to hide all your insecurities and feelings with successes and accomplishments. i got to make sure people see all my successes and all my accomplishments. You've internalized that childhood message. And so here's the other thing we want to do. We want to minister to these people. And so if you know somebody who's an achiever, if you're married to an achiever, if your best friend is an achiever, how do you minister to them? You let them know that it's okay if this doesn't go 100% as planned. It's okay if, if you make a mistake. It's okay if this thing fails. It doesn't define you. You can speak that into them. You can speak life to them, right? As a result, then your core fears are being exposed as or thought of as incompetent. That's a big fear for you. I don't want anybody to think that I'm not really sharp. I don't want them to think that I'm incompetent. I don't want them to think that I'm inefficient or worthless. And you have this fear, this it's failing to be or appear successful. And so again, how do we minister to those? If you're married to one of these people, and think about this, if this is you, how would you begin to talk to yourself and would you begin to observe that as the Holy Spirit reveals that to you, right? Your core sin then is actually deceit. That's your big sin. That's the one that you'll battle. And deceit in this way, that you deceive yourself and others. It's not just others, though. It's also yourself into believing that you're the only the image that you present. You really are truly only the image that you're able to present to other people. And you embellish the truth to be seen and admired. Now, again, how can you minister to these people? How can you speak into their lives? Well, one of the things that I would say is you can speak into their lives by reminding them of who they really are. They're not the sum total of their accomplishments. You are first and foremost a child of God. God loves you. Jesus died for you. Your identity is in Christ. That's your identity. Your identity is not your resume or your cover letter. Your identity is Christ in you. That's who you are first and foremost. And so here's some of those unhealthy behaviors. And I would say, I would put the word on here, performer, because some, some people will call this the achiever style, and some call it the performer. And I think the performer speaks maybe a little more to some of the negative aspects. And so here are some of the unhealthy behaviors. You First of all, again, you think that failure is unacceptable, and so you'll do anything to cover that up. It's very difficult for you to admit that you make mistakes. Now, th- these are generalities. They're not all true. And some of these are true of all of us, yes? I'm a, I'm a challenger. I'm the eight, but some of these are still true of me, right? You become very desperate for attention. You're working very hard to draw attention to yourself as opposed to shining the light on Christ. 
you feel that you have to project this desirable image. People need to see me this way, even if it's not who I really am. This is what they have to see. And you oftentimes ask yourself, am I successful? Right? I want to show you Moses now. Just think about this. Moses gets there and God tells him, speak to the rock. Speak. Moses got the whole assembly gathered. He and Aaron, they summon the people to come and gather at the rock, just like God told them. And then here's Moses. You ready? Listen, you rebels. Must we bring you water from this rock? And you start to see this performer come out of Moses, the greatest leader in history, God's man, God's chosen man. And here's the reason that we know that maybe he was doing that, because the next verse tells us this. Then Moses raised his hand and he spoke to the rock. Or did he? Now he strikes the rock and he doesn't do it once. He does it twice. Do you see Moses bringing attention to himself, trying to perform for everybody? Ah, I could speak to the rock. It's not as dramatic. Right? Got to strike it not once, twice. That's not what God told him to do. Well, but if I do what God tells me to do, and I do it God's way, that may not bring enough attention to me. It may not make me look as awesome. It's the greatest leader in the history of the world, perhaps. God's chosen man, but still susceptible to the sinful nature, to the weaknesses. And the water gushed out. It's the faithfulness of God. Even though he was disobedient, God brought the water out. So the entire community drank, drank, and their livestock drank to their fill. Now, here's what we know about Moses. Did Moses ever get to enter the promised land? Wow. Didn't get to enter the promised land. Forty years of complaining and bickering and leading the people faithfully through the desert, day in and day out. And you know Because of his disobedience. Feels harsh to me, but he didn't get to. If you're this achiever, I want you to remember that. And I want you to meditate on this verse. You need to meditate specifically on this verse from Matthew. Which says, watch out. Do not do your good deeds publicly to be admired by others. You'll lose the reward from your Father in heaven. Like that's what happened to Moses. Because the sinful nature took over. Right? Moses didn't even get to enter the promised land after 40 years of that. This is the perfect verse for you to meditate. So here's what we want to do. Suspend judgment. Let the Holy Spirit speak to you. And let's talk about some things that maybe you could work on, right, to address that old sinful nature. Here's some thoughts for you. Number one and number two, I'm going to give you both. And this is good for all of us, but specifically for this style. Number one, develop a practice of silence. And number two, find a spiritual mentor. It's good for all of us to develop a a practice of of, of silence. But here's the problem. When you're this style, predominantly this achiever, you're just all about do, 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 do. Got to accomplish this. Got to go, got to go, got to go. And sometimes the Lord would just say to you, slow down. Spend time in my presence. Let me speak to you. Let me, just, let me just speak some truth into your life. And so if this is your style in particular, this will be very important to you. And it's the reason getting a spiritual mentor would be so important. Because a spiritual mentor can speak truth to you. A, a spiritual mentor can sometimes say, hey, this is what I'm seeing in your life. Right? A third one would be challenging your idea of success. What really is success? Is success your accomplishments, you being noticed, your achievements, or is it success really that Christ would be seen and would be known? You've got to ask yourself this question. Who am I? But who am I really? And the answer to that is this. You're a child of the Most High God. You're a temple of the Holy Spirit. You are the beloved of Christ. 
that's who you really are. Maybe ask these questions from time to time. Who and what are being sacrificed? That's great that you're achieving. That's great that you're getting everything done. What relationships are you sacrificing? Relationship with parents, relationship with kids, close friends, my relationship with my spouse being compromised because I'm so into this and I work 80 hours a day, right? What's being sacrificed here? Is, it, is my integrity being sacrificed? Is my own emotional health and well-being and my physical health being compromised? That's a good question to ask. Make vacation vacation. For those of you who are really this, when you go on vacation, man, do not take work with you. It's vacation. And furthermore, some of you need to leave your cell phones at home. Don't take your cell phone on vacation because you're still going to cheat and work. Work on just being one of the rest of us. This is very hard for you because you want to walk into the room and you want all the attention. You want people to see you and to notice you. Just walk, just be, be a schmuck like the rest of us, okay? Just, just, just be like the rest of us. Just be average once in a while. It's okay. Fit into the crowd. And then the last one that I have on here is this, that success and being real. That sometimes you oftentimes think that success and being real and authentic are mutually exclusive. And I'm like, no, no, no. You can be the real you and successful. They can go together. It's an and. It can be both and. Right? So at the end of these, uh, these messages, what we've always tried to do is give you a big so what that celebrates this personality style. If this is you, if this is your predominant style, we love that you're a part of our fellowship. We love that you're a part of this body. You move us forward. You help us expand the kingdom. You keep us on task, and we love that about you. So here's what we celebrate, and here's how I would say it. Achievers have such a clear vision that they see past distraction to finish the mission. See, Achievers, that's what you do. Your vision is so clear. You're so focused. You have the ability. This is how God wired you. It's how God made you. And you see past all the distraction because we're all getting it. We're all experiencing it. You see past it and you say, focused on the mission. You're the ones who help us do that. And so we celebrate you. So here's the big now what. And I got to apologize because I've forgotten to put this up a couple times because it's the same big now what throughout the entire series. Here's what we want you to do. And this is going to be difficult. But you find someone that you know and you trust and you ask them this question. What's it like to be on the other side of me? That's a tough question. And it's a very challenging question. And it's a very scary question. But I'm daring you to do that. Sit with a spouse. Sit with a close friend. Sit with a family member. Sit with somebody that you just know and that knows you. And ask them this question. Hey, what's it like to be on the other side of me? And if you're the person that gets asked that question, here's what I would tell you. This is your chance. Blast them. Let them have it. No. 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 You started by affirming them. Hey, this is what I see in your life, man. You're such a blessing. This is what you do. And, and I love it when you do this. And that you do this like no one else does it. Man, you lift me up. You build me up. You encourage me. And then say, I want to make you aware of this. Like I just had somebody that said that to me this last week because I asked them, Hey, how am I doing with this? And this person just said, this and this. And I see this, and we appreciate this about you, but I think you need to be a little careful. I was like, duly noted. I've made note of that. We can't be transformed if we're not willing to deal with the old nature. Receive it, accept it, suspend judgment, take that from them, and then let the Holy Spirit work in your life. So with each of these, we finish with our song. And I just want to remind you, in case you weren't here when I was explaining this, that each of these songs that we've shown, the writer, the singer, is the same singer for every song. It's the same person, right? Uh, 
and, and great, he's a great singer. But when they've written the song, the only people who can be in the room when they're writing the song is that personality style. This is a Christian guy who just, he just felt that the Holy Spirit really revealed to him a lot of his old nature, and he felt that it radically transformed him as they let the Holy Spirit then work. And so he wrote a song for each personality style, which I think is very cool. But for each personality style, like for this one, the, um, the achiever, that's the third of the personality styles, uh, only achievers can be in the room when they're writing the lyrics, which I think is cool. Only achievers can be in on the composing of the music, and only the achievers can be there playing instruments for this song. I just think it's very cool. So a lot of times for that reason, man, if this is you, this, this speaks to you, it ministers to you. When, when it was the Challenger, which is what I am, the first one we did, man, it, I was choked up. And then I saw people at nine that were the, the, the nine personality, which is the, the uh, peacemaker. Those people got choked up. And then, and then when we did the reformers, they, right? So hopefully this ministers to you. Watch this video. This is for you, achievers.
Let's pray. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for what you revealed to us from the scriptures. God, thank you that we can all emulate a more Christ-like behavior so that we love our neighbors as, as ourselves, which you tell us is equally as important as loving you, Father. I pray that you continue to reveal that to us, show us that. Lord, this morning, we, we give a special thanks for those in our church body who are achievers, for the ministry that they have, for the way that they help us to focus, oh God, on the mission making disciples. We want to see people come to Jesus and these folks really help us. So we thank you for them. God, in no way do we worship the creation, but it only points us back to you, the creator, and we give you thanks and praise. Thank you, Father.